Welcome to Saltier Politics. This week has been quite a week, Julie. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm doing well. Well, I did notice a chocolate banana bread type thing that looked like it was made because that looked like I want some. So Emily, it's ridiculously good. The pictures don't even do it justice. Uh, it's, It's great. And I will make some for you when you come over, when you're finally back in New York. That will be and I'll give it to you and you will work through it all in about a day. It's so good. And if anybody wants the recipe, let me know and I will tweet it out. But it's so, so good. And it's not really that much work. But the point that I'm even sitting around the house cooking and baking, this is not the Julie that you know. No, I was surprised to see it because I thought, okay, your son, I saw the bread. I saw a little chocolate. And I'm like, great. But then you went over the top with the banana bread. Well... He's not even into it. He doesn't like bananas or chocolate, which is hilarious. So uh, I guess he's been eating all of it. But it's so good. And I was working. I was, I've was. i been really swamped at work. I've been super, super busy. And I was kind of really annoyed um, a couple of days ago. And I looked up and there were all these really like super ripe bananas that nobody was eating. And I thought, I need to figure out what to do with this. So I, I did. I made it from scratch. And I took about an hour off of work to do it. And it was a very nice way to sort of decompress. It used to be when I was at work, you know, you go down to Starbucks and you get a cup of coffee or you do something to just get out of the office for a minute if you need to just take your mind off stuff. And in my case, I decided to take some time and bake. And that's what I did. And it was so good. Um, But it's not, I really meant what I said. My oven and I need a break from each other because I've been cooking way too much. I've been very food focused lately. I'm, I'm feeding everybody well. So it's been nice. It's been nice, but I am ready to get back to the office when and if that ever happens so that I don't have to look at my oven or my refrigerator for a long time. Excellent. Yes. How about you? Are you psyched to be coming back to New York this week finally? I am thrilled because love my parents, but it has been, it is just so weird. Every step I take into my parents' house, I revert back to being in high school and I feel like that's happening. And yeah. I'm ready to just do my own thing. and I hear you. It's, it's not easy. I have seen my parents every couple of weeks because they take my son um, once in a while for the weekend so you can just spend some time with them. And it's nice, but it's, um, it's sad. I don't really get to see them as often as I want to because of COVID and, and trying to keep them out of the city. And I'm so swamped that I don't really have much time to go to New Jersey to, to visit them and just sit outside and, and hang out with them. Um, but it's, I don't get enough and you probably have gotten too much. Right. So I'm so excited and I get to see you again, which is going to be great. I'm psyched. I know. And I'm going to make that chocolate. Well, you're coming over for dinner. Yeah. Well, I expect yeah. that for dessert. Oh, you're going to get it. <laughs> or I'll just have that for dinner. It doesn't matter. You're going to get it or just dinner. Why, why should you actually demand real food for dinner? We could just see that for dinner. Um, so what's been going on this week? Politics, saltier politics. Well, one of my favorite news stories, and I think we could talk for hours about this, is AOC's speech against Floridian Ted Yoho in Congress. I thought that was so awesome. And one of the main things that really struck a chord with me was when Yoho brought up about he can't somehow be misogynistic because he's married and has daughters. And I loved that (laughs) AOC called him out. For that, because how many times do you see that men say, oh, I, I'm married or, oh, I have a daughter. So therefore, I can't possibly or I'm more empathetic to this issue. It's 
that drives me insane. Something um, made me very salty about this, which really, um, well, a lot of things made me salty about this, but the thing that made me very salty was Kevin McCarthy, who's the House Minority Leader, the Republican leader in the House of Representatives. Uh, he said the following, and I'm quoting, quote, I watched that Congressman Yoho went to the floor and apologized not once but twice to the Congresswoman from New York. The Congresswoman obviously is AOC. I watched the majority leader of the House, which is Democratic uh, Majority Leader Steny Hoyer of Maryland, um, accept his apology. So Steny Hoyer, whom I generally like and have a lot of respect for, um, is in his 70s, um, a white man from Maryland, the second most powerful Democrat in the House of Representatives after Nancy Pelosi. And Kevin McCarthy saying, well, I don't know what AOC, what, what Congresswoman um, Ocasio-Cortez is so bent out of shape about. After all, Steny Hoyer accepted Congressman Yoho's apology. So it's not up to Steny Hoyer to accept Congressman Yoho's apology. And I'm about to curse, I think for the first time ever, on this podcast, but I'm not doing it on my own volition. I'm actually quoting. He was not called, Steny Hoyer was not called and could never be called a fucking bitch because Steny Hoyer is not a woman and typically white men of Steny Hoyer's age are not referred to as fucking bitches. In fact, the word bitch is a very gender specific term, not when it's used as a verb, like bitching about somebody, but used as a adjective or a noun. However, Congressman Yoho meant it. It seemed to me that that leader McCarthy was missed the point entirely, which is, first of all, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez doesn't need daddy to accept her apology for her, i.e. a more powerful older man. She doesn't need to get over it because Steny Hoyer, apparently, according to Congressman McCarthy, and this is, I'm not projecting this onto Steny Hoyer. He actually was not the one saying this, but he was not the one to accept. He's not the one that would ever be called a fucking bitch. He just wouldn't be. And, you know, the fact that Congressman Yoho did this non-apology apology, well, if anybody was offended, which is my least favorite kind of apology, if anybody was offended by my words, if anybody was offended by your words, I don't think you quite said that, but it was basically that. Or, you know, I really can't be a misogynist because I have a daughter and I have a wife. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And so can Congressman McCarthy for saying what he just said, which is that she should get over it. She, the person being called a fucking bitch, should get over it because a much more powerful, much older white dude apparently got over it himself. Well, you know what? Yeah, Steny Hoyer could get over it if that's what Congressman McCarthy is suggesting because Steny Hoyer has never been in that situation. And I have to say this about AOC. Look, I don't agree with her on a lot of policies that she proposes, I agree on some, but not all. But I will say this about her. She really threatens people. And she threatens people for very obvious reasons. She's young. She's Latina. She broke the system to get, I mean, don't forget, she, def she beat, she came out of nowhere to harness something in her district in Queens on the Bronx to beat Joe Crowley, who was in House Democratic leadership, was projected to potentially be the Speaker of the House one day, and was a party boss, effectively. He was the Queen's Democratic chair, which is an incredibly powerful position in New York City. She is threatening to a lot of men, a lot of men, 
because they don't they're not used to seeing young Latinas not in quote unquote their place. Right. And she even mentioned how our favorite Florida governor before she was sworn in called her whatever that is completely just with this dehumanizing language to still consider her the other and a threat to the status quo. And she's completely objectified. I remember all these conservative blogs um, and websites were focused entirely on her wardrobe when she first came in, because how could she be this poor woman who was a bartender until five minutes ago? And now she's, she, she's wearing all these expensive you know, outfits. Here's the deal. She's, and let me also add, I mean, this should be beside the point, she's an attractive woman. So I think the problem is you have this crazy objectification of her on a variety of levels having to do with her gender, her age, her ethnicity, her looks, and most importantly, her ability to communicate. I mean, she's an incredible communicator. I don't care if you agree or disagree with her. She's an immensely powerful communicator. She is somebody who really threatens the status quo. But if she were a guy, there's no question in my mind that she would not be triggering these men like Congressman Yoho or Congressman McCarthy or even the Democrats on, 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 on her side of the aisle in the way that she is. And again, this shouldn't be a partisan issue. If she were a Republican woman, I'd say the same. But she came out of nowhere, much like, you know, I'm not suggesting she's anything like Trump, but much like Trump came in and smashed the status quo, in her own way, she has as well. The difference is that Trump is an old white man and she is a young Latina woman. And that is really threatening to a lot of people. And it culminates in her being called a fucking bitch. As though she is, well, first of all, nobody deserves to be called that. I don't care who she is. But let's not forget, she's basically a peer of Congressman Yoho's. She's not some, you know, not that you should ever speak to staffers this way. I've been a staffer on the Hill, so I'll be the first to say, this is not how you speak to people in any station in life. But really, this is the disdain with which you treat a colleague and a peer. And if she were a guy, this would never, ever happen. And more importantly, if she were a guy, never, ever, ever, ever would the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, ever say, well, you know, basically get over it. I mean, again, let me read this quote. I watched that Congressman Yoho went to the floor and apologized not once but twice to the Congresswoman from New York. I watched the majority leader of the House accept his apology. Who cares what the House majority leader did? Why should she care? Why should you and I care? I don't care what Steny Hoyer did. And as I said, I like Steny Hoyer. I don't care that this is okay with Steny Hoyer after Congressman Yoho apologized, that Senator Hoyer is saying, let bygones be bygones. She shouldn't accept his apology because I think a lot of times we do. I think a lot of times we say, well, okay, that person lost his temper. And ultimately, after a lot of pressure, he apologized. It happened to me in a very high profile situation a couple of years ago. And people have said, just get over it. He apologized. No, if, if there's no penalty to doing it, if there's no real consequences to doing it, it will happen over and over and over and over again. And the person that did it to me has a wife and a daughter. And the person that did it to her apparently has a wife and a daughter. And guess what? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Strom Thurmond <laughs> had black children, as it turns out, and slept with a black woman to get them. And guess what? He was still a horrible bigot and racist. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do in your personal life if this is how you act. I mean, look at Trump. He has daughters and he still slept 
with a porn star and paid her. So, I mean, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse any kind of behavior. And your whole point of letting people get away with it, that is, I think, what is making white men so uncomfortable right now because they're being called out and the behavior is having to stop and that's inconvenient for them. I mean, you know, it's funny because when I was in college, it was, and this was granted 30 years ago or so, but you just go routinely use the C word. I wouldn't, obviously women wouldn't, but you'd have guys saying, oh, she's such a C word or she's such a effing, you know, a fucking bitch. I mean, we're using Congressman Yoho's terminology here. We might as well just call it like we see it. The problem is that, and it becomes ingrained. It becomes ingrained. But, but what's the equivalent for men? that specifically speaks to their gender like that. What's the equivalent of the C word for men? I mean, what is it? I mean, I think the biggest thing you can say to men is comparing them to somehow women and giving them feminine qualities. So that just- Exactly right. I mean, I can, I can think of a couple of terms that I don't want to use them, but they're all homophobic because the implication is that they're somehow not quote unquote real men because they engage in behavior that is otherwise something that um, either women do or gay men do, right? So it's, you're right. It's either fem- feminizing the men or somehow making them seem like they're gay. There's no specific... I mean, saying, oh, that guy's such a dick, that's not, that's not remotely close to calling somebody the C word or calling somebody a fucking bitch. It's just not. It's just not. Um, and that's why I think even if Steny Hoare in fact did accept Congressman Yoho's apology, it doesn't really matter and it shouldn't matter because Steny Hoare has never been in that situation. Congressman Yoho has never been in that situation. Kevin McCarthy has never been in that situation. No, no straight white man has ever been in that situation. They just haven't. Much like I've never been called the N-word. Right now, I'm a Soviet Jew. I've been called when I was little and lived there, the Russian equivalent for Jews of the N word. So I, I kind of grasp what that means. But you know, it's not. And she's a Latina. Think about how many disparaging monikers you could think of for Latinas that have been that, that are thrown around. Right. It's. I just, I was amazed by this. And also the whole fact too, she, that Yoho was walking with Roger Williams. No one stood up for her. And it's like, these men are not real men. They are, they are afraid of strong women. Just standing up for what's good. Cause I guess as congressmen, that's what you elect them to do, to do what's right or do what's good. And it, everything well, about it just grossed the situation, grossed me out. How about you just lead by example? Right. How about you just don't do it? I mean, at which point is there going to be censure by the House, for example, for Congressman Yoho? And I would like to know, you can't do this in a sports game. If in a sports, if it's in a basketball game, a soccer match, you have unsportsmanlike conduct, you're penalized. You have to pay a huge fine. So why, why in Congress, if someone is this egregious, aren't, isn't that the case? Well, I guess because the government is free speech and, you know, they can't infringe on your speech and that's fine, except you're not entitled to be in the house. And where's the penalty from the voters? Where's the penalty? You know, who should, you know, who should penalize him? He's, he doesn't have the right to be on a committee. His own leadership should penalize him. 
Kevin McCarthy could single-handedly say, you know what, this is con conduct unbecoming to a member of the Republican conference. And so we are going to do A, B, and C. There's going to be real consequences to this. And then, of course, what, ha what happened to AOC has happened to so many women, which is he does something awful, he apologizes, and then she is now getting grief by saying, why does she just get over it? So she's the crazy one. She's the whiny little bitch. Right. To use a misogynistic term that, that, that apparently Yoho would be familiar with. She's being a little crybaby, little girl, who's not, quote unquote, manning up. I mean, look at all these words that I'm using. They're completely loaded with gender references for a reason. Man up. What, what was interesting, I was watching, I'm re-watching one of, I think, because you, you're a John Hamm fan, I'm re-watching Mad Men. Uh, because that's where we are. Uh, but it's so that that just misogyny is so deeply ingrained in how women are spoken to, looked at, everything. And to think of it too, that people who were born and raised in, in, in this madman time, a lot of them are still in Congress today. So it's like something so deeply ingrained that because it just needs to be called out to get over it. And it's going to be uncomfortable for the for a lot of these these men. Well, and the problem is, of course, that the Mad Men office environment has, through a lot of work by a lot of people, is starting to change and has changed. I mean, you can't, you can't say that it hasn't changed in the last 50 years, but what hasn't changed is this notion that people aren't careful with their language and that language has meaning. And so it may not be acceptable to call somebody the N-word anymore. Like, I remember this line from Mad Men, I think in the very first episode, um, where this advertising agency where, where John Hamm works, his character works on Mad Men, uh, is, is, being, is pitching a department store owner who happens to be Jewish, and Roger Sterling, who is the head of the advertising agency, one of the owners of the advertising agency, comes to Don Draper, John Hamm's character, and goes, do we have any Jews working here? Um, and John Hamm just very quickly goes, not on my watch. Not John Hamm. I shouldn't put this on John Hamm. Don Draper, the character, says, not on my watch. Um, and you can't say that anymore <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, in the workplace, you would be sued. Uh, and there's probably 20 laws that you would break if you were to say something like that or to discriminate against somebody based on their religious affiliation. But it is still acceptable to do that to women. And it's interesting to me that it's women who that is, I mean, in other words, if he went up to her and called her by some racial slur, or if she were, or if he went up to like, I'm, I'm thinking of an African-American member of the squad, uh, Ayanna Presley, right? Who I, I guess would offend him just as much as the OC because they're ideologically in sync. Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts also won a primary, um, kind of smashed the system and is African-American. If he called her the N-word, the outcry probably would be insane. I mean, he might have to resign if he did that. Mm-hmm. Why is the misogynistic term not equivalent? Right. Why? Because women, for whatever reason, are not thought of as a protected class. And I don't mean that women should be a protected class because just, women are not in the minority. But how about you just treat them, just, just, just stop with the gender? It just devalues as well. That's exactly right. It's just a devaluing of somebody. And if that's not a term that you would use against Rep Yoho, and you wouldn't because he's a man, why is it okay to use that against somebody else who's a peer of his? Right? Like, you can tell somebody to go 
F themselves. And, you, and that's and that's gender neutral. That's race ne- neutral. That's, you know, that's that's different. But using the word bitch is actually, I guess, what offends me, not the F word. Me too. Because it's so specific to her being a woman. Right. And like you said, loaded term. This is a very instructive moment. And if you actually had real penalties and real consequences for him, it might be that he would not do it again and that people would realize you shouldn't do it again. And it's people like AOC speech, like you have left our voices. It's, it's, it's specific get not accepting it, not accepting the, the, the behavior to continue. I've said this repeatedly. Um, I was on the board of something called the Women's Campaign School up at Yale Law School for probably a decade. Okay. And um, actually, ironically enough, I think Anna Presley and Gabby Giffords and, and, and Kirsten Gillibrand, and uh, this is nonpartisan, so a lot of Republican office holders also attended that school. And I taught there every year in addition to being on the board. And every year, some women in the class would raise her hand and she would say, I feel like this reporter didn't take me seriously because I'm a woman or my opponent just disparaged me because I'm a woman. And there would always be this gender bias to it. And the woman would constantly, inevitably, every year, as, as a woman would be telling the story, she would start tearing up. And for a decade, and I'm not kidding, for a decade, and not just a decade, for the first 20 years of my career, my attitude was always to roll my eyes and to be like, buck up. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in politics. Just keep your head down and get through it. Yes, it sucks, but just ignore it. Don't dwell on it. Just get through it. It's like a storm. Just get through it to get to the other side. You don't have to focus on it. And I gave the worst advice for a decade. And for the first 20 years of my life, I really, I feel very much did a disservice to the women I was mentoring who would raise this. And I would be like, just suck it up because you have to, because this is the way life is. And I wouldn't try to change the paradigm. I would ask people to work within that paradigm to get ahead the way I got ahead by ignoring it. And then a few years ago, I said no more. And I started calling it out. It's pretty lonely. I got to be honest, because a lot of other people don't agree with me. They just say, get over it. Keep your head down. Work within the system. I don't accept that anymore, because if we all kept our head down and worked within the system, John Lewis, who just died, would never have been the civil rights leader that he was. He would have kept his head down, understood his station in life, quote unquote, never would have gotten across that bridge in Selma, never mind gotten to the house. Change is not made by people who, who accept certain behaviors that they find offensive, but that they excuse so that they can get ahead in life and get through the storm. Because on the one hand, it leaves a lot of other women behind or African-Americans or Latinas or LGBT people or whatever you're trying to effectuate. Because while you're getting ahead, they're getting dismissed. And in addition to that, it actually perpetuates the problem by not bringing attention to it. I lost a career over it, as you know. And I don't regret it for a second because it's the right thing to do. And on my deathbed, I don't think I'll ever look back and say, oh, I wish I had another few hours on TV. But I will have looked back on my life and said, I would really, really regret not standing up, vocally standing up to make the workplace a better place. The whole idea of the NDA is that whole idea of just a sorry and they have to like pay a fine and then the women have to shut up and let the, the actions continue. Again, that reinforces the system. And, and that's the problem, yeah. right? The problem is I was in a situation a few years ago, uh, it's pretty well documented, where I suddenly lost this very prominent 
political contract that I had, I was bound by an NDA. The reason it happened and the reason I can talk about it now is I actually got the NDA lifted after a long, long struggle was because somebody spoke to me much like somebody spoke to Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez using almost identical words, except mine was even worse than hers. Another white man, another guy with a wife and a daughter. And I called it out and I wouldn't stand for it anymore. And as a result, there was so much said about me that was incorrect that I ended up, I ended up being penalized. The guy ended up being promoted and, and, and defended and whatever, even though he apologized. <laughs> but again, there was no ramifications for him. There was for me for raising it and not dropping it the way I was expected to drop it after he belatedly apologized. What is fascinating to me is that I couldn't discuss it for many years because I was bound by a very strict NDA. So nobody really quite understood why I had left this very high profile gig that I had. Um, not Fox related, by the way. Although it happened, ironically enough, within the same time frame as Fox, because I something in me just snapped and I was not going to take it anymore from anybody. It was only after I was able to lift my NDA that I could finally tell the truth of what happened. Now, imagine if Yoho said this to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and she freaked out on him privately, but she couldn't publicly discuss what he had done. And then the rumor mill would begin. Why is she so sensitive? Why is she, uh, you know, what happened? Like, they, the men can always talk, by the way. That's the irony of the whole thing. When you're the one with the NDA, you can't. And how many men do we know, or not just men, how many women do we know who suddenly disappeared from their workplace? And we're like, whatever happened to them? And the answer is, it's never on the record. It's never official. Oh, she wasn't cutting it. Oh, she was doing really sketchy things. She was doing this. She was doing that. Of course, it's completely all nonsense. And 99% of the disparaging language is against the person who can't speak about it. And the person whose only crime is speaking up in the first place. What's the message you send to women? The message you send to women is if you want to advance, this is the message I sent. This is what I'm saying up at Yale for a decade. When I would teach this class, if you want to advance, just keep your mouth shut. Just, just let it go. Keep your mouth shut. What does that say? I mean, what does that say? That means we're perpetuating this thing of, oh, yeah, you were sexually harassed. Just, just let it go. Just let it go because if you speak up, it's only going to re redound on you. Because, Or if you were spoken to like AOC was in a really awful way, just let it go. Because if you don't, it's going to redound on you. Right. In her case, nobody can fire her except the voters of her district. So she has, she can go on the floor of the house, the well of the house, and tell all the world what happened to her. The horrible part is, if this were a member of the house staff that he said this to, and not a co-equal member of Congress, and the member of, and, and that staff member were to bring a complaint, they might give that member a nice severance package, or not a member, they might give Congressman Yoho, if he did this to one of his staffers, might give that staffer a nice severance package and bid her goodbye. <laughs> and attached to that severance package, which would probably, with, with taxpayer dollars, I might add, would probably be an NDA saying, sorry, can't talk about it. He would proceed on with his life. Nobody would ever be the wiser that he called a staff member a fucking bitch or worse. And that woman would have to explain to her bosses why she only worked on the Hill for six months and abruptly left. So this goes right into, Julie, what's making you salty this week? Yes, actually, we right. just talked about it. Yeah. We just talked about it. Um, this has actually made me very salty to the point where I'm actually thinking about doing an op-ed on it because um, I'm so salty about it. 
Please. Yeah, this is making me very salty um, because I don't think there's been enough focus on that. No, and it all comes to a head, though, because I think exactly what you're doing and exactly the whole movement you've been a part of and really started um, has fills in with all of this with AOC's speech and everything because it's about silencing women. It's about not letting them have their voice whatsoever and letting them just accept it and take it in. It is making me salty, but, you know, I don't get that salty about stuff that I can change and I'm working hard to change it. Right. I, I don't I don't I don't think people should stay salty. I mean, we talk, I know the show is called Saltier Politics, but, um, you know, I'm salty about it in the moment. I'm just more committed, as I know you are, as I know a lot of women are and, and men. I, this is not just a female problem. I keep saying this is just consistently um, consistently something that I say, which is that men need to be part of the solution because they're 50 percent of the workforce. <laughs> So, or 50% of the population, this, this can't be a, a women only solution or a women only problem. Uh, men have to be brought to the table to help solve it as well. But, and we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. You know, I know it's one step forward, two steps back, much like I felt race relations were great when Obama got elected. And then lo and behold, a decade later, 12 years later, look what's happening. So I get it. There's advances and there's regressions, but we're getting there. We will get there. I hope in my lifetime it will get, I hope that when my eight year old is 28 in 20 years and he's in the workforce, that he will not be able to say that to a woman. Well, first of all, I hope he's raised well enough that he will never say that to a woman. But, um, I hope that when we, I I truly hope that that's not going to be something that's acceptable that if somebody does this in 20 years when he's in the workforce, if he does this to a woman in the workforce, he'll just be fired. She'll be fine. Nobody will expect him to just apologize and then malign the woman. Exactly. Apologize only under duress, I might add, when, when, when the thing blows up, when the woman makes a big deal out of it. It's not, Yoho didn't really apologize until after this became public. Right. He never, you know, he, even if it were just in the moment that he couldn't help himself, he could have easily five minutes later, found her, gone to her office, found her on the floor, tapped her on the shoulder and said, you know what, Alexandria, I'm so sorry. That was completely unacceptable of me and I should never have done it. And I'm ashamed and I'm embarrassed. I I don't know her, but I promise you if somebody said that to me of their own volition, if it were a one-time thing, I'd be like, apology accepted. It happens. Right. But it's not really an apology when you have a gun held to your head, when you wait days or weeks to do it then it's something that you're doing to cover yourself legally. And then the, and then it becomes a whole, why didn't she just accept the apology? I mean, other white men did. Agreed. What's making you salty? Uh, actually, the continued human rights abuses against the Uyghurs in China. A month ago, I remember seeing a headline about how human hair was intercepted in, I think, New York because it was from those Uyghur camps. This is, this is happening now. To use as extensions or for right. what? For, to use as extensions. Which and, they're now selling for like a thousand bucks. Yeah, no, just a crazy amount of money. And and, and the fact that, I mean, human hair, th- this is Nazi-like stuff. These are concentration camps. So the fact that this is happening in a lot of businesses could be involved in American-owned businesses or letting it happen who are involved in China is, is a big issue. Look, the Chinese, um, the human rights abuses with the Uyghurs, 
in Tibet, in Hong Kong now. It's we could have a whole separate right. Oh, we could have a whole separate podcast just on China alone and my feelings about China um, and our complete codependence, interdependence on China. Um, it's very interesting. You know, people keep talking about you go to the Holocaust Museum in Washington or, or you read books or you watch Schindler's List or, you know, you go to Yad Vashem in Jerusalem if you're ever lucky enough to go there. Um, and you keep seeing, seeing the phrase never again, never again, never again, never again. Well, guess what? It never stopped. It's not like it stopped for a little while and then continued. Never stopped. Never right. stopped. So people should just stop saying that because, you know, right. it, bears, it, bears, it bears no meaning to reality. Um, I know you have to cut it short today. And it was nice that we were able to fit this in because I know we're both super swamped. Um, it's been a crazy summer despite working from home. I feel like I'm busier than ever professionally, um, which is good. I think you are as well. It's so, crazy. But again, we get to reunite very soon. Super psyched. We have to take a picture and post it somewhere. When we do, um, I will. I promise I will bake you a banana chocolate cake. Although I've been making a lot of other yummy desserts. So you'll have to. You know what? That. I'm just going to take whatever, whatever you make. All right. You know what? I promise I'll take care of you. And with all your crazy allergies, I have to really get to the bottom of what you can and cannot eat. Um, love you. Miss you. Can't wait to give you a hug in person. Um, and safe flight home. All right. Talk soon.